0: Hey, this is Pastor Aram, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church Podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. So right now, say, God, give me ears to hear and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. At the dawn of the century, I was in a band. It was a rock and roll band, and it was made up of five guys, and we all had our individual parts to play. Not just musically, but we all kind of fit a different role. For instance, our drummer was always the late one. I don't know what it is about drummers. Like, your whole job, John, is to keep time when you're on stage, but something about your personal lives, you just can't do it. Drummers are just, they tend to always be late. And then our lead singer, he was the one that called all the shots. Then we had a guitar player that he was the technical one. And then Randy, who's our worship leader, he also played guitar. And his job was to be the good-looking one. My job was to be the talented one. Now, I also could have arguably been the good-looking one But they only allowed us one superlative, and so I already knew I was extremely good-looking, so I thought, hey, I'll go with most talented. (laughs) But the the technical guy, the reason I call him the technical one is because he's the type person that could figure anything out. Does anybody know someone like that? They're just like really good with electronics or building things, and even if they've never done it before, they just have a perspective to where they can look at something and figure it out. And so that was this guy, he could build things, he could wire things, and he could figure out and solve the problems that we faced as a band, which really came in handy on more than one occasion. Because this one time we were getting ready to play and the auditorium was packed, the crowd was excited, they're screaming, they're chanting, the curtains closed, you know, we're going through our motions, getting ready for the night. And when I went to do a line check, I had no sound come out of my, my bass, and so I immediately went to the technical one because I have no idea I'm the I'm the talented one not the smart one remember this right and so I go to him and he comes over and he diagnoses the problem and he realizes that my amp is not plugged into the outlet again I'm not the smart one remember I'm I'm the talented one and arguably the also the good-looking one but it's nice to have people around you that can help you when you're in a pinch. He has taught me so many things through life that I'm able to apply now. I I benefited from our relationship, and he benefited from my relationship with him, and, and we all together as a band benefited from one another, and that's really what I want to talk about today is the power of one another. Turn to the person next to you and say, there is power in one another Ecclesiastes the fourth chapter verse 9 says that two are better somebody say better. better two are better than one because they have a reward for their toil in other words we can accomplish more together than we can alone we can do more when we work together than when we try to do things on our own. Somebody's turn to the person next to me again and say, we need, we need each other. And so that's what we're going to be diving into is the power of one another. When I was a kid, I had the opportunity to be a part of a lot of different weddings. I was the pastor's son, and so I'm like the designated ring bearer. If you don't know a little kid at church, then I was the one that filled in. And At these weddings, back then, the the real popular thing was the unity candle. Anybody seen the unity candle? How many of you in your wedding did a unity candle? So the concept behind the unity candle is that the groom has a flame, the bride has a flame, and then the flames are joined together to make one flame, and then you extinguish your individual flames because now you're no longer operating as two, but you're operating as one. Nowadays, the unity candle has kind of disappeared a little bit because a lot of weddings are outside. I think y'all tried to do one outside. I remember Sally and keeping the flame. It's amazing y'all made it this long in marriage with that flame not lasting. But, (laughs) But now for safety, they do the sand ceremony where the individual sands are combined to become one sand. And just like the grains of sand can never be separated again, that's how it's supposed to be, in our marriage and a life together because the two have now become one. Somebody say one. And the idea for us becoming one in marriage is found in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 31, where Paul says this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, unique but unified we are unique but we are also unified if you don't understand that then you're gonna struggle in a relationship you, you have to get comfortable with the fact that we are all unique how many of you know we all have different personalities we have all di- have different pasts, we all handle problems and situations differently So we're all different in here. We all have different opinions, yet we are also unified, called to no longer live as an individual, but to live together, to work together with one heart, one soul, one mind, one vision. Why? Because we are now no longer two, but we are one. But Paul goes on to say in verse 32, and here's what I want you to see. In verse 32, right after he says that The man should leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and then the two now become one flesh. He says this. He says, this is a mystery. It's profound. But I am saying that it refers to Christ and his church. Marriage is nothing more than a picture of Christ and his church. The big idea is that, oh, I love this, the big idea is when we come into Christ, we are all joined together and made one together with Christ. Just like the husband and wife become one, when I come into Christ and you come into Christ, we become one. One, we're still unique, but now we are unified, and we are called to live with one heart, one mind, one vision. Why? Because that's where we begin to prosper and succeed. We are in this thing together. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're in it together. You may not look like me. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) You may not dress like me, but we are connected. Somebody say connected. It's important for you to understand that we are all designed by God to live within community. We are all created by God to thrive within community. We were never intended to do life alone. As a matter of fact, when you decide you're going to do life on your own is when you start to step out into a dangerous area. It's actually when you become the most vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. The Bible teaches that he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, right? right? Have you ever watched the Nature Channel? The lion doesn't go after the herd. The lion targets the one... has been separated. Why? Because they are vulnerable. If they're with the herd, the strength is within the herd. The strength is within the pack. The lion stands no chance against all of them when they are unified and living together. And that's how God has designed us to function in this life. If you go all the way back to the beginning of time, when God created Adam, he's the first human being He's the only human being on the planet. God places him in a perfect environment. There are no problems. Not only that, he has 24 hour a day, seven day a week, direct access to God himself. It's a pretty good life. Yet when God looks at Adam, He says, this is not good. Why? He says it's not good for man to live alone. So what does he do? He creates for him woman, a helper, someone who can bring something to the table that he does not have. See, Adam brings something to Eve, and Eve brings something to Adam, and the first community is developed through marriage. Then God blesses them and says, I want you to multiply. What does that mean? Expand the community. Fill the earth with like-minded people that are of one accord, with one purpose, working together, one vision, one heart, one soul, one mind. Why? Because that is where you will thrive. All through Scripture, if you take time to read it, you will see a phrase that says, one another. It'll say things like love one another. Show hospitality to one another. Encourage one another. Build one another. If you find fault with someone work it out and what? Forgive one another. Over and over and over again, we see the concept of one another. The Bible stresses our need for one another. The Bible teaches us how to relate to one another. See, we all want to act like it's my own personal Jesus. No. We are all one with him, which means we are one with each other. If you go through the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments have to deal with how we relate to God. The last six are all about how we relate to one another. Why? Because when we function properly together, that's when we thrive. When we function together properly as the church or the body of Christ, that's when We step into purpose. That's when we step into destiny, not just individually, but corporately. Why? Because your individual destiny, hear what I'm saying, your individual destiny is connected to each and every one of us corporately. Jesus did not just die to forgive us of our sins. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is important. A lot of people don't teach this, but scripturally, if you walk through, you'll see this all through the Bible. Jesus did not just die to forgive us of our sins. Anointed, Lord. (laughs) Jesus did not just die so that we could get from here to heaven. So Jesus doesn't just save us from our sins, Jesus also saves us to his body. Are you seeing this? He brings us out of darkness into his marvelous light, into a family, into a place where we belong, the body which is the church, and through the church is where we are nourished. Through the church is where our purpose is realized, Through the church is where we go into the area of accomplishing why we were created in the first place. We discover who we are within the context of community, not by ourselves as individuals. Think about Jesus himself when he starts his ministry. He's not just going around preaching and doing miracles, he's not just getting alone with the Father he's also taking time to develop deep, meaningful relationships. When the church is first formed in the book of Acts after the ascension of Jesus, the church was not an organization. It was a gathering of believers, a gathering of like-minded people who were coming together. They're praying together. They're studying scripture together. They're hearing the word of God preach together, but they're also eating together. They're doing life together. They're sharing their stories with one another. And the Bible says that they grew day by day. Why? Because proper connection, proper connection will bring growth individually and corporately. Proper growth, connecting to the right people in the right place will cause you to grow like you've never grown before. Couples, connecting with other couples, godly couples, will grow their marriage. It's amazing because God has designed us this way. It's like the seed meeting the soil for the first time. Things begin to grow. Things begin to thrive. Ephesians, the fifth chapter Verse 11, the Bible teaches us that Jesus placed gifts inside the church. Why? For the benefit of the believer. So one of the purposes is to benefit the individual believer to reveal their purpose and help them in their call. But it also says that we... The gifts equip the saints, not just for the work of ministry, their work of the ministry, but also to build the body. See, you've got to get this this morning. Please catch this concept that Jesus often meets our needs through one another. Jesus often meets our needs through those he has connected us to. Watch what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the seventh chapter. Verse 6, this is what Paul says. God who comforts the downcast. So, God is bringing comfort to the downcast. God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Do you see that? God could have comforted him by an angel visit, God could have comforted Paul with a scripture. God could have comforted them with a miracle, all of which God does, all of which God still does. But in this particular instance, God comforts Paul in his season of trial by sending a friend. Why? Because God will often meet our needs by the people he has surrounded us with. I've told this story before, but... It's the story of a man who was in an area of town that started to flood. And the water started rising. It got higher and higher to where he had to climb to the second story of his home. But the water kept on rising to where finally he got on the roof of his home and he began to pray and plead with God, God, please rescue me from this dire situation. About that time, a rowboat comes by. Dude looks up and goes, hey, man, you need a ride? Guy says, no, dude, I'm I'm trusting God. Rowboat leaves. Guy continues to pray, God, I believe that this day you're going to save my life. You're going to rescue me from this flood. About that time, a motorboat comes by. Guy says, hey, man, you want a ride? I am waiting on God. I have faith. I have prayed. And I believe that God will meet me at the point of my needs. Man leaves. Guy on the roof continues to pray. A helicopter comes. Drops a ladder. Get on. We'll take you to safety. No need. I'm standing alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Helicopter flies off. The water keeps on rising until finally the man drowns. He dies. Now he's standing in heaven, angry. And he goes to God and says, why didn't you answer my prayer when I asked for you to save me from the flood? And God looked at him and said, I sent a man in a rowboat. I sent a man in a motorboat. And finally, I sent a man in a helicopter. And you sent them away. Somebody needs to hear this today because you're going through things in your life that are challenging, and you're trying to do it on your own. And you need to realize that many times your answer, the thing that you're praying about, can be found in somebody that God has connected to you. Listen, there are times where it's absolutely necessary to get alone with God, and we should. We should take time to get alone, to pray, to be quiet, to study Scripture, to receive Wisdom and direction from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, 100%, we should all be doing that. But we also have to realize that sometimes the answer you are looking for will be found in a person. 1 Kings 17 illustrates this beautifully. Elijah has just spoken the word of God that has brought a drought on the land. That means there's no water. When water stops, food gets scarce. So because Elijah has a connection with God, God is going to provide. Hear what I'm saying. God is a provider. God is good, and he will take care of his children. The reason we miss the blessing sometimes is because we're looking for it to come in a way that we did not expect it to come. So God tells Elijah, I want you to go down to this brook. There's going to be water at the brook, and I'm going to feed you. God himself is gonna do it. God sends ravens to bring Elijah bread and meat. Like we think it's cool that we can do like Uber Eats and they deliver it to our door. I'm talking about ravens flying to your house and leaving you a meal. No delivery fees. That's what's happening for Elijah. Why? Because God provides for his people. Turn to the person next to you and say, God provides for his people. But there comes a season where the brook begins to dry up because there's been no rain. And God tells Elijah, catch this. He says, I want you to go to Zarephath because I have prepared a widow for you. So watch what happens. I'm going to pick up 1 Kings 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 10. So he arose, Elijah arose, and went to Zarephath. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I've only got enough food to last me one more meal. I'm going to make sure that it's me and my son that eat and then we're going to die. Are you following the story so far? Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterwards make something for yourself and your son for thus says the lord the god of israel the jar of flour shall not be spent the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the lord sends rain upon the earth and she went and did as elijah said and she and her household ate for many days the jar of flour was not spent neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that Elijah spoke. According to the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. I love this story because Elijah is in need of food and water. God up to this point has provided by the brook. He's provided by the raven, but now the brook is run dry. Elijah's in need and God says, I have prepared for you a widow I have prepared someone to meet your need but at the same time that God was preparing the widow for Elijah God was preparing Elijah for the widow because he needed food and she had it but she needed a miracle and Elijah knew the miracle worker they were friends that were mutually benefiting one another she had What Elijah needed Elijah had what she needed that's how the body works we mutually benefit one another because the gifts that are in me were deposited there for you the gifts that are in you were deposited there for me and if I can begin to honor the gift in you If I can begin to encourage the gift in you and begin to build you up, then your gift can then become an encouragement to me and begin to build me up. Iron begins to sharpen iron. Hear me, we are not designed to do life alone. God has deposited in each of us gifts that are needed for one another that is why the church is so valuable That is why the church is so necessary, because when it is working properly, you grow as an individual, but we grow together. Your marriage grows, and my marriage grows. Your family grows, and my family grows when we understand the divine connection that God himself made when he shed his blood on the cross that brought us in and made the many one body, no longer individually, but corporately together, we are one. I belong to you, you belong to me. My gift belongs to you, your gift belongs to me. Are you following this? You want to change the world? Understand the power of the body. I need a helper. Michael, will you come up here? I wasn't going to do this, but it looks like Michael can take it. You need to help, brother? Come here. Watch this. One finger death punch. What's the matter? It seems like he can take that. What about the two-finger death punch, like Bruce Lee? I mean, maybe if I poke you in the eye. But now, stand there. When I bring it all together, I promise you, this is going to bring maximum impact. This can do something. This can do something. But when I bring it all together, this becomes, in at least 49 states in the Union, (laughs) a weapon of mass destruction. Thank you, Mike. Are you following what I'm saying? It's the same thing. The Bible teaches that we are all individual members of the body, which means we all have different functions, just like a natural human body. The body has ears, nose, eyes, mouth, tongue, skin. I mean, think about all the parts that make up your body. And when they all function together properly... That's when you live in health. That's what the Bible is trying to push us to. That's the conclusion it's bringing us to. That the church is the body of Christ. We are all individual members of it. And the body grows when every joint is supplying. When every member is working within its proper place. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. I'm going to read this first in a moment, but I need you to understand the the concept of mutually beneficial, which means it's a give and take. Somebody say give and take. This is where most of us fall off the boat. Because we have to, as individuals, know how to do both. Some of you in here, you're very good at giving. You are very compassionate, you are very tender-hearted when it comes to meeting the needs of people. Like if somebody needs something, you're the first person there. If somebody in your family needs something, you're the first person there. You're really good at meeting the needs of others. But you're terrible at receiving from others when it comes to you. If you are always pouring out and never receiving, you're going to burn out. You're going to run empty. And I see this a lot within the context of family. Because we're always pouring out, doing, 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 doing. But at what point are we allowing, Michael, somebody to pour into us, invest into us? And if we don't, we'll burn out, and then we'll become useless to everyone. Because as soon as I burn out, then I no longer have anything to give because I'm all tapped out. So we have to know how to not just release but we also have to learn how to receive. If I'm the type person that is only receiving or taking and never releasing, then I become like the Dead Sea that only has an inlet, no outlet, and I become toxic. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you know people like that? Within the context of your relationship, they're always taking, but they never bring anything to the table. They always want something from you, but they never want to give anything back in return. They want your encouragement, but they never encourage anyone. They want your help, but they never help anyone. If you're that type of person, you become a very toxic person that people want to pull away from. So we have to learn within the context of relationship that we have to learn how to work together and mutually benefit one another. Because there are going to be times that you may be down and you need somebody to lift you and encourage you. But at the same time, there may be times that I'm down, and I've got to have somebody there to lift me and encourage me. It's like a seesaw. We're working together, going back and forth. When you're down, I lift you up. When I'm down, you lift me up. That's how the body is intended to work together. Hebrews 10, 24, the Bible says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, how to stir up one another man the power of stirring somebody up the power of encouraging somebody I was telling Bob this morning as human beings we tend to rise or fall to the expectations of people and so sometimes If you just expect somebody to explode and do something great, you can encourage them into that greatness because you're lifting them up. You're building them. You're encouraging them. Listen, as your kids start back school this year, you want to see something change in their academic life? Begin to encourage them. Begin to to tell them that they can do it. That they're smart enough, that they're good enough, that their identity is firm and secure in Christ Jesus, that they are beautiful, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Begin to build one another up, begin to encourage one another. He says, Stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, the one that we like to put white out on. I like to be encouraged. But verse 25 says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not neglecting to meet together. Why is it important that we don't neglect meeting together? Because our strength comes from one another, it's a body with Jesus Christ as the head. And what starts in the head flows through the what? Body. So if I am not joining myself to the body, I become like a disconnected member. And I don't care how much I like this thumb. As soon as I remove it from this body, it becomes useless. It'll start decaying. That happens to us in our life. And maybe some of you have experienced this before where there was a time like you were really on fire for God, you were really plugged in, you were really connecting, and things just seemed to like go really great and you, you, you experienced a lot of growth in your life. There was a lot of blessing in your life. But then something may happen, could be your schedule gets busy, could be a problem happens, could be an internal conflict with another member at a church. I mean, how many? I mean, we, we're all people so we're, we're you know, we may offend each other from time to time. That's why we have to have grace for one another. But something happens, and because of that, you disconnect yourself. That happened through COVID. A lot of people disengaged, disconnected. And because of that, you begin to decay. Things that you once had, passion that you once had for your purpose, begins to decay. Why? Because you've removed yourself from the body. And it may not happen overnight, but if you stay away long enough, you'll start to see that the little by little becomes more and more in your life. So Paul is pleading with us through the Word of God, do not neglect the coming together. As we move into a new school year, we need to make it a practice to come together. 1 Peter 4.8 says this, above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. In other words, people are God's delivery system for his grace. We become the vehicle that carries the gift of God where it's needed. When it comes to a connection with God, there are two ways that he grows us. One way is that he grows us vertically, Bobby. No doubt about it. The more time you spend in prayer, the more time you spend in worship, the more time you spend in his word, the more growth you're going to see in your life. That's vertical help from God. But he also helps us horizontally through the people he has surrounded us with. That's why things like small groups Are So important that's why we put a lot of emphasis on trying to get as many people as possible connected to a group because we believe that we grow together as we do life together. I've heard testimonies of of marriages that have been turned around within this church simply because they have gotten this right. They're getting the vertical and the horizontal right because there are things in you that God has placed there to be an encouragement and an example to me, and from me to you. That's why I encourage you, not only to join a small group, but find people within the church that you can trust and connect with. Develop deep, meaningful relationships with them. People that you can begin to eat with. On a Sunday, you can go out to eat or you can connect with them through the week. And, and, and we put a big emphasis on that at this church. That's why we do a lot of fellowships like we're doing today after service because we want to give you an opportunity to connect and develop a relationship, to learn about one another, to actually have more than just a rub of the shoulder but a heart-to-heart to where I know you, Mary, you know me, I know you, Tom, you know me, and, and we're able to connect in a meaningful way to where now... When you're going through something, we're going through it together because we're connected. What moves you moves me. That's how Jesus functioned. When he feeds the multitude, it says he was moved with compassion. He wasn't just there to preach a sermon. He was moved with compassion. He saw their need and he was so deeply connected to the people that he created that his compassion said, I want to meet them right now at the point of their need. And when we have that, that's when we begin to pray for one another and truly lift one another up. I believe, Activation Church, that we can be an example to our world of what church should look like. We've not always gotten it right. And churches all around the world continue to get it wrong daily. And we're human beings. We're learning. We're growing. But I want us to be the forefront on the forefront of what it looks like to model the body of Christ where we understand that we are in this thing together to strengthen, to encourage, to love, to build, sometimes to correct. But it's all for the benefit of our growth individually and corporately.